0: Hello and welcome to True to the Bible podcast with Hunter Davis. Thanks for joining us for this lesson in our series, Who I Am, where we'll be studying the book of John and where we see that John is writing these things to everyone so they might believe and that in believing they might have life. In this awesome book where John presents the Messiah Jesus as God, we'll see lots of key truths and great application that we can apply to our own life. Well, thanks again for joining us. We hope that you enjoy this lesson. We're looking at Jesus as the Caring Shepherd. Jesus uses an analogy here, and He he makes Himself to be the shepherd, and He calls us the sheep. Uh, There's some wolves and some thieves, and so we're gonna look at all that. And the question I have for you guys today, do you see Jesus as a personal shepherd or as a distant God? Do you see him as a personal shepherd or as a distant God? And the reason I bring this up is because, like, all of us would probably say, yeah, I see you got Jesus as a personal God, a personal shepherd. But I think a lot of times in our life, uh, we can kind of like, even if we don't admit it to ourselves, we can kind of get to the point where we're like, yeah, God is God, you know? He's, he's God, and he's, he's different than me. He's, you know what I mean? And, like, he's just God. And in reality, he's very personal. He understands us a lot better than we even know. Um, and today we're going to look at that because the shepherd of the times back then um, was, a, was a very personal shepherd. Okay? And so we're going to see that. We're going to see that Jesus' point that he's making here. And as we do that, I want to read you guys a psalm. We're going to read this psalm at the beginning, and it's probably the most famous psalm of all time. Anyone want to guess what it is? We're not going to read Psalm 119. It's too long. It's too long. 23? 23. Those are the two most popular, right? 119 and 23. Okay? And so we're, we chose 23 today because it talks about God as a shepherd. Okay? Here it is. You guys can look on the screen. You can turn your Bibles whatever. But It's the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So I want us to think about this as we go throughout Jesus' example or His uh, illustration rather. Uh, because it, it relates really well, okay? So, uh, let's read. I'm going to read all of it. I know it's a long section. We're going to go all the way through verse 21, but we're going we're to read this long section, so that way we can hear it all at one time, and then we'll come back and we'll read little sections and go through it, okay? Look at verse, we'll start reading verse 39. We talked about verse 39 of chapter 9, okay? So, John chapter 9, verse 39. That's what we ended on last week, uh, and so we'll start reading there and we'll go through 10:21. It says, And Jesus said, For judgment I came into the world, so that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Those of the Pharisees were, uh, that were with him heard these things and said to him, We are not blind too, are we? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But since you say we see, your sin remains. This is Jesus still speaking in verse 1. It says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door, into the fold of the sheep, but climbs in some other way. He's a thief or a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name. He leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes out ahead of them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. And a stranger they simply will not follow, but they flee him from him because they do not know his voice or the voice of strangers. This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things which he were saying uh, meant or which he had been saying to them. And Jesus said to them again, truly truly I say to you, I am, okay, that's egoi me. There's four egoi me's coming up. Okay? I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Egoi me, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came so that they might have life and have it abundantly. Ego me, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and is not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand. He is not concerned about the sheep. Egoi me, I am the good shepherd. And I know my own, and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not in this fold. But I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. And I have, uh, I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up. This is the commandment I received from my Father. And division occurred... Among the Jews because of these words, many of them were saying, he is a demon, or he is insane. Why do you listen to him? Others are saying, these are not the sayings of a demon possessed. A demon cannot open the eyes of the blind, can he? All right, let's pray. Dear God, we just come before you, um, and we just thank you for the day you've given to us. I pray that as we look at your word, that we would understand um, the illustration that you're bringing or you given to us, God, and help us to just put it together and understand what it was like back then to be a, a shepherd and a sheep, and just help us to understand how that relates to you and us, God. We love you and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so obviously the illustration here is of a shepherd and sheep, okay, and today in today's culture, especially in Western culture, like here in the United States, we don't understand that in the same way, and so today I'm going to start out, and it's part of the reason a lot of lessons are longer, I'm going to start out giving you some interesting stuff about shepherded sheep, okay? Uh, this is a quote uh, by Borchette, okay, which I'm coming to really like his, his stuff, but this is what he says about this passage. He says, those who have lived primarily in Western world settings, where the shepherding of flocks is normally done by driving sheep with dogs, may find it hard to visualize the intimacy of the biblical uh, shepherd passages, okay? So we don't understand shepherding quite in the same way, so I've done some research on it, and, you know, I have a couple pictures of some shepherds. Some of these are real shepherds in today's day. Um, a couple of them are, like, just paintings or, like, um, pictures that they've kind of staged. But the daily uh, life of a shepherd, it consisted basically wholly of caring for their sheep. Okay? Like, it's it's not like, um, you know, they're not cattle. It's not like ranching. Okay? And even though cattle do take up the entire day of a... Of a know of a ranch or whatever it's just different okay and so all that they did all day was taking care of these things they found food for them they found clean water for them uh, they watched over them and as we'll see in this passage they know their sheep they, they protected their sheep just like David which we'll see also later on in this passage how uh, he protected the sheep um, here's a quote by, um, I think this is Borchette too, but he said, and this is talking about, this is talking actually about a modern day shepherd even. Okay, but the the modern day shepherd or even the past shepherd would whistle or sing to the sheep and they would follow and he would lead them to places to eat in the winter and in the summer. He would find clean water for them to drink. He would protect them in the night, in the rain, in the sleet, in the snow. The shepherd would watch over the health and well being of the sheep. In fact, shepherds would wear camel skin jackets uh, that were water repellent so that when it rained, they could stay with their sheep in the rain, okay? And so the shepherd, okay, when we think shepherd, okay, we think this guy that takes care of sheep, but this guy really takes care of sheep. Like he's, sheep is his middle name, maybe his first name, sheep, okay? Uh, he, he is watching over them constantly, okay? And sheep are not like, well, they're not scavengers, okay? Like you, you may like be able to turn a sheep loose and like he'll find food or whatever, kind of, But like sheep need you to like take them to places where they can eat, take them to clean water. Like they don't just kind of find it on their own. And if they do try and find it on their own, there's a lot of predators that will (coughs) eat them, okay? And this is another thing that I I did some research on because um, in this analogy, uh, Jesus talks about these predators. And he talks about the wolf or the thief. And I'm like, well, what predators are there for sheep? Because, okay, the U.S. is built on cattle, right? Built on beef. Right, cattle ranching and all that. How many predators in the United, you know, especially in the Great Plains, are there for, for cattle? I mean, not very many, right? You can leave those cattle out there, and I mean, stuff kills them, and there are predators, but it's just it's not the same as a smaller sheep in that area. And I was like, well, what in Israel would even eat a sheep? So there's actually a lot. Okay, there's a lot of predators in Israel. Okay, the first one that I looked up uh, a little bit about was this Arabian leopard. Okay, who knew that this is in Israel? Okay, these guys are in Israel, and do you think that is a predator for sheep? Yes. Okay, the Arabian leopard is a is a predator for sheep, and it's there uh, in Israel. Here's another one. This is called a caracal. Okay, I think I'm saying that right. I don't know. It's kind of hard, but uh, it's kind of like a lynx, you know, or like a big bobcat kind of deal. Uh, but that could be a predator for sheep, especially younger sheep. Okay, Did you guys know they have these in Israel. Okay, they uh, they have stripe. They're not spotted hyenas. They're striped hyenas. Okay, in Israel. So these things obviously travel in packs and they could be very detrimental to the sheep as well. Okay, this one is one I actually think that they're talking about in this passage. Okay, this is called the Arabian Wolf. Okay, they're like a little bit, they're, they're like a big coyote, kind of. Okay, uh, they're kind of skinny and ugly looking, but uh, these are definitely predators for the sheep. Okay, here's another one. This is a cub. This is a cub, but the Syrian brown bear. Okay, there are bears in Israel. Okay. Who knew? If we read the Bible though, we think about it. When I saw this, I was like, oh yeah, David killed a lion and a bear. So the bear, there must be bears in Israel, and there are. Syrian brown bear, okay? And obviously, that would eat a sheep, okay? Because that's a cub and it's like twice the size of a sheep. Okay? And then, this is a quote that I found. Um, there are a lot of extinct animals, okay? Animals that were in Israel up to like the 11th, 12th century, okay, one of them being the lion. Okay, and uh, this is a quote by, I can't remember if it's a uh, zoologist or something like that, but anyway, it says, as a country seated on the border between Eurasia and Africa, so you guys picture that on the map, it's between Africa, kind of Eurasia area, Israel, or the Holy Land, was booming with exotic animals once upon a time. Okay, so it's saying Israel had a ton of different kinds of animals because it was close to Africa, it was close to like, Europe-ish, Asia-ish, so it's got all these different animals that can come into it because it's kind of in the middle. And one of those animals is a lion, okay, the African lion. Uh, it went extinct in Israel area, obviously it's not completely extinct, it's in Africa, but uh, around the 12th century, okay? So would the lion eat a sheep? No, a sheep could totally take Yeah, it. I think a sheep could take a lion, but other than the lion, there's a lot of other predators out there. Okay, so the reason I share this is because I want us to have an idea of what it was like to go out and be a shepherd. Okay. If I'm a shepherd, okay, I take my staff out there. That staff was to protect the sheep. Okay? A lot of times, actually on that staff, they would put like um, kind of like nails or spikes on it, pieces of glass, because that, like, they actually use that to like beat off wild animals. Okay? So the shepherd, they would take their sheep in and out. They would take them out to food, to water. They would protect them. If they had to stay overnight, they would build this thing, and we'll talk about it later. It's called a sheep's fold. Okay? Um, there's some other names for it. I can't think of them off the top of my head. But they would build this thing out of rocks at night so that way like it's like a wall around their sheep and they would sit at the gate and they would sleep at the gate. That way if any wild animals came, they could wake up and they could fight them off. Okay, so shepherds aren't these people that go out and sit on grass and just don't do anything all day. Okay, they have to provide for uh, the sheep, they have to protect their sheep, they care for their sheep. Um, and as we see here, the shepherd the one that owns their sheep is even more protective of their sheep than the hired hand that gets hired to go out and do the same thing, okay? So that's a little bit about shepherding. So let's get into it a little bit. Okay, the first thing we're going to look at is the shepherd cares. And we're going to look at this at the very beginning and the very end. And this, <clears throat> We're going to look at verse 39 through 41 for this. And it's kind of interesting, when we'll be short, but at the very end, it, we're going to see it again. And really throughout the whole passage, we see that a shepherd cares. And he's not even in the illustration yet, in verses 39 through 41. Uh, but let's read it, and let's, let's look at it, okay? Verse 39 says, For judgment I came into the world, so that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. And the Pharaoh, those of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and said to him, "We are not blind too, are we?" And Jesus said to them, "If you were blind, you would have no sin. But since you say your sin remains, since you say we see, your sin remains." Okay. And so the reason that I say that this is a this is Jesus carrying is because of verse thirty nine. He came into the world so that people might see. Okay. And he's a shepherd that came to the earth himself. Like he didn't have to do that. And again, we're going to see this throughout the whole passage, so I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it. And we looked at verse 39 last week, okay? and we talked about that and how the Pharisees' um, pride was blinding them. But I have a a quote for you okay? about verse 41, where Jesus said to them, If you were blind, uh, you would have no sin, but since you say we see, your sin remains. Jesus replied to them using irony. He said that if they were willing... uh, Sorry, he said... That if they were uh, spiritually blind and sorry, I I'm messing this up. He said that if, if they were spiritually blind and realized their need for enlightenment, they would not be guilty of sin, specifically unbelief, because they would accept Jesus' teaching. Jesus said, "Believe in me, and you'll have life." But they wouldn't accept that. However, they did not sense their need, but felt quite satisfied that they understood God's will correctly. Consequently, they did not receive the light that Jesus offered. They were wise in their own eyes, but really they were fools. Their sin of unbelief remained with them, and they remained in their sin under God's condemning wrath. Light causes some eyes to see, but blinds other eyes. Jesus' revelations had the same effect. So basically, they, I, I think the key in there, or one of the key points that I, I liked in there is they were wise in their own eyes, but really they were fools. And so when Jesus says, if you were blind, you would have no sin, I think he is saying... To the Pharisees who are saying we have no sin, essentially, he's saying if you were blind, if you're willing to admit your sin, if you're willing to actually look at this, then um, then you would be able to see. Okay, uh, you would have no sin. Why? Because you would you would be able to believe at that point. But since they say we see, we don't need to. We don't need any light. Okay, they were rejecting Jesus' offer um, of eternal life. Okay, and so uh, we see this these closing before the uh, parable of the shepherd or what or the the illustration of the shepherd and uh, i think even though it kind of doesn't seem like jesus cares here it he does because he came that the whole world might be saved right which is what it says in verse 39 he came so those who are blind may see you know and ultimately even the pharisees are blind they're just not willing to admit they're blind Right? And he wants, he wants everybody to be saved, which we've talked about a lot. And so we see that Jesus does care here, and we're going to see it again. So let's look at the whole uh, shepherd illustration. The first part is the shepherd provides. And each one of these things that we're going to talk about is throughout the whole passage. Okay? It's throughout the whole passage, but let's look at verses 1 through 6 here. Okay, So truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs over the, uh, some other way, he is a thief or a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear and his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes out ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of a stranger. Okay, And so this is the first little section he starts out with, talking about uh, the shepherd and the sheep. Okay, for the beginning of the analogy, he makes a distinction right away between the shepherd and the thief or the wolf, uh, basically the shepherd and the enemy. Okay? And he says, uh, you know, the enemy's trying to climb in over the wall, and he's talking about a sheepfold there, which we'll talk about, uh, but he's trying to climb in over the wall, but the shepherd, he can go in and out of the gate. Okay? The shepherd's the one that can rightly get in and provide and protect the sheep and has good intentions for the sheep. Okay. This is, um, this is what a sheepfold. fold, this is a painting. I have some real pictures of sheepfolds folds in a second, but this is a painting, I thought it was really good. None of them really looked that perfect. I'm just gonna, gonna be honest with you guys, because this is a painting. Uh, but it's a good illustration of like, kind of what it was. So a lot of times they'd be built out of rock. Sometimes they'd build it out of like brush. Uh, I, don't have any, I couldn't find any pictures of ones built with brush, because everybody likes the rock ones, because they look cool. So uh, this, is, uh, this is what it kind of would look like, though. So if you went up into the mountains, Okay, uh, which we would in the summertime because they didn't want to feed out all the bottomlands. Does that make sense? So, like if you overgraze the bottomlands in the winter there's no food, then all your sheep will die, right? So they, sometimes they'd have to go up into the hills or the mountains and when they went up there at night they would build these things or maybe in several different places and they would herd the sheep in there at night and it would be to protect them. So when Jesus is saying uh, the robber's climbing in another way, he's saying the robber can't go through that gate. Okay, that's where the shepherd goes in and out. Okay, The robber's trying to jump in over one of these or the thief or the robber, the wolf, they're trying to jump in over the wall, okay? Here's a couple other pictures. This is a real one. Uh, it's a circle one, most of them are circular usually. This one's kind of deteriorated and old. This one is found in the, this one's in the UK. That's more of a square, uh, but it's still made by rocks. It's found in the UK still today. I think it was made like in the 1700s or something. Uh, That's pretty cool. Uh, so these are kind of what these things look like, okay? And so, um, the shepherd is the one who can go in and out. The robber is the one who's trying to uh, climb in over. So what, are all, what do all these like, analogies mean? Okay, so the sheep are believers. Okay, the sheep are believers. And we're going to see this going throughout the whole thing, and I'll put this slide up again later. But the sheep are the believers. The shepherd and the gate is Jesus. Okay, he uses two different illustrations to represent himself. Okay, the shepherd and the gate both are Jesus at two different times. We'll see it in a second. And then thieves and wolves are the devil, and um, you know a lot of people might say it is just the devil. Some people may say it's false teachers and the devil. Um, I think it could be either or because what did Jesus just say about the Pharisees and their false teaching? Um, you know, a few chapters back, he said, "You follow your father. You're the sons of the devil." Essentially, you follow your father, the devil. He's the father of lies, right? And so, uh, it's that it's it could be the false teachers, it could be the devil. Um, one thing to note complete side note here but uh later on he uses the the term wolf and he uses it in singular instead of plural so like bob wilkin thinks he's talking about the devil specifically because of that so that's just a side note but this just kind of gives you the idea of um what's going on okay so i'm going to read it again with all this in mind uh starting in verse one truly truly i say to you he does not enter the uh, by the door into the sheepfold of the sheep, but climbs over another way. He's a thief or a robber, but the one who enters the door is a shepherd of the sheep. And now we get into it a little bit. Verse three, to him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear the voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. Okay, and so first off, verse three, I think is, if we just read over this and we don't really think about it, it's it's like not a big deal, but this is a big deal, okay? So I think the biggest part of this that stands out to me is he calls his own sheep by name. Okay, he calls his own sheep by name. Okay, now, a shepherd may not actually name every single one of his sheep, okay, he might, but what is Jesus saying here? Okay, there's this, uh, when I was working in, at Rockhaven, Bible Camp, okay, I worked there for two years, and uh, I, the people I worked with were, their names were Brock and Annie, their husband and wife, and they had like four kids, and Annie was a twin, she was an identical twin. And so whenever her sister would come visit, especially when I first started, I couldn't tell them apart. And it was really embarrassing because I'd been there like, you know, two months or whatever. And they would come and I'd be like, "Uh, hi guys, you know what I mean? It was super embarrassing. But you know, by the time I left there, anytime Amber was the sister's name, anytime Amber and Annie were together, I could tell them apart instantly. Okay, because I'd been with Annie and I knew Annie. Okay, I didn't know just what she looked like, but I knew her personality and I knew who she was and and like I knew her well enough that I could tell her apart from her twin. Okay, and for all of us, we might look out at a herd of sheep and be like, How in the world would you tell these apart? But for the shepherd, he spends so much time caring for them, and he spends so much time with them that he knows each and every single one. Okay, and that's what Jesus is saying, He is to believers. He's like, I'm the shepherd that knows each and every single one of you by name. Okay? And that doesn't mean He just knows our name. That means He knows who we are. He's, a, he's personal. He knows our struggles. He knows our personalities. And that's comforting. Okay? That's comforting. So He knows us by name, and then He leads us out. Okay? And again, uh, your version might say bring out, lead out. And then we're going to talk about that, but that goes into verse 4. Look at verse 4. So He leads them out, and when He puts forth all His own, meaning He brings them all out, He goes ahead of them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. Again, this goes back to um, that guy's quote that a lot of shepherds would whistle or sing to their sheep. And the sheep know the, the songs of the shepherd. And so the shepherd would lead them by walking in front because they didn't have herd dogs. That's, not just, that's just not how they did it, right? And so he would, he would sing or whistle and they would follow that song out to where they needed to go. Okay? Um, so the dumb sheep, they could figure out a tune to follow him. But this, this shepherd, he knows his sheep. Okay? And look, when it says he brings them out or he puts them forth, you know what that is? Ah, oh, I skipped it. It's providing. That's providing. Because okay? remember what I said about like, feeding out the bottom land? So if the shepherd never took them out, they would never get food or water. So he would have to take them out and take them to different locations to make sure he didn't overgraze anything, to make sure they got clean water, uh, to make sure they always had what they needed. So the, the shepherd bringing them out and taking, that's him providing for them. Okay, just like Jesus provides for us. And Jesus is a provider. Okay, he not only provides for us spiritually, but also physically, right? Spiritually, obviously, John 3.16. We all know that Jesus came down. He died on the cross, paid for the sins of the entire world and offers us for eternal life and he provides for us spiritually. He also provides spiritual protection, which we'll talk about as we go throughout this. And then later on, uh, in chapter ten, we're going to see his spiritual protection again. Okay, but uh, he provides spiritually. He also uh, provides physically. Matthew 6, 33. And seek you first the kingdom of God, and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Right. So he he provides uh, spiritually and physically for us. So uh, he provides. The shepherd always provides. Next, the shepherd protects. Okay, and we see this. In the, uh, a little bit in that whole passage we just read, which was what I said, like, you can see all of these points throughout this whole thing, really, if you want to. But I see it a lot more in verse 7 uh, through like 14. So we'll read that. And notice the distinction between two different people. Okay, yeah, there's a distinction between the shepherd and the wolf or the thief, and the shepherd and the, her- the hired hand. Okay, there's d- several distinctions here. And remember, there are four egoy me's in this. Okay, there are four I am statements here. Two, they're just repeated. There's two of them that are repeated. I am the shepherd and I am the gate. Okay? So Jesus said to them in verse 7, Truly, truly, I say to you, Ego me, I am the door. Okay, I'm the gate. Okay, I'm the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. And he will go in and out and find pasture. And the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came so he might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and is not the shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, he sees the wolf coming and he leaves. And, and the sheep and, the, and they flee. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and he's not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me. <laughs> All right, so he starts out and he says, Ego e me, uh, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door, or I am the gate. Okay, Jesus is the gate and the shepherd. I have this up again for you guys uh, just for this section as well. But Jesus is the gate and the shepherd. Believers are the sheep, thieves and wolves are the devil, they're false teachers. Okay, and as we see this, again, we see two distinctions here Jesus and the, you know, the wolf or the, the thief, and Jesus and the hired hand. So we're going to talk about these two things. Okay, so Jesus is not a wolf, not one of these Arabian. These are probably the wolves he was talking about, right? He's not an Arabian wolf. Okay, so look at it. He says he's the gate in verse 7. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Okay, and so who are these thieves and robbers? Okay, this could be a lot of people, could be a lot of false teachers, false messiahs, could be anybody. Okay, but the believers, don't, okay, the, the believers don't listen to him. They listen to him because he's the true shepherd. Say, Ego me, verse 9, I am the door, and if anyone enters through me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. Okay, again, very self-explanatory. Okay, Jesus offers eternal life to those who believe. Okay, the sheep are those who believe, and they will go in and out and find pasture. But verse 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, kill and destroy. I came so that they might have life, and have it abundantly so this is such a great distinction i think between jesus and the devil okay the thief the devil okay and, and whoever follows him they come only to steal kill and destroy and jesus came not only that people would have life but they would have it abundantly okay and i think that we could argue you here that jesus is saying that not only did i come for them to believe in me and have eternal life but to have abundant life not only here on earth but in eternity as well Okay, have that abundant life that goes beyond. Okay, those rewards and things like that. Okay, and I, I see that distinction in a couple passages of scripture between the devil and Jesus. This one, obviously, one of the most famous passages about the devil. Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for or seeking anyone that he can devour. Okay, does that go along good with Jesus' illustration here? Okay, we're sheep. Jesus is a shepherd. And he's going around prowling, trying to see who can, he can eat. Which one of these sheep can I eat? Okay? And so what does that mean? Well, for the, for the devil, he's trying to get people who have never believed in Jesus for eternal life to not believe. Okay? He's trying to make sure that they're not sheep. They don't get into the fold. But for believers, he's trying to make sure that we're not effective, right? He's trying to make sure that we don't live for God. Even though we have eternal life, he can't take that away and we're going to see that because Jesus can't let, Jesus is a good shepherd and he's good at protecting and he's not going to let anybody take us um, away right but he still wants us to be non effective right and, and we have a part to play in that because we have a choice on whether we're going to be effective or not and so he's roaming around and this one's actually talking to believers so he's roaming around seeing which one of us he can take out so we're not effective anymore even though we have life even though we're in the fold right uh, but the distinction here is between that and this Mark ten forty-five. for even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many The shepherd versus the wolf. Okay, the shepherd versus the wolf. The shepherd is a personal shepherd, a personal God who knows his sheep, who provides for his sheep, and who protects his sheep. And the devil is one who's roaming around, seeking whom he can get rid of, who he can devour, who he can eat up. Okay, but there's another distinction here as well. Look at um, we'll start in verse eleven. Okay, this is between the hired hand and, and Jesus. I'm the good shepherd, egoe me, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hired hand and is not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf come in and he leaves, and the sheep flee, and the wolf snatches and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and he's not concerned about the sheep. I am, egoe me, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and my own know me. Okay, so who is the hired hand? Okay, the hired hand could be anybody. I don't think Jesus is making a distinct like, personally, I don't think he's making a distinct like, this guy over here is the hired hand. Okay, I think it could be a a um, it could be a king, a prophet, a person. It could be anybody. That's just not Jesus. Because Jesus' distinction here is that he's not, he's not a hired hand. Okay, he, he owns us, okay, in a, in a way. I know that sounds kind of weird. But because of that, he, he, he's not going to run away when the wolf comes. Okay, because which one cares more about the sheep? The person who owns the sheep or the person who's getting paid $10 an hour to watch the sheep? The person who owns the sheep. They care about the sheep. And Jesus, and we'll see it in a minute too, but Jesus is taking ownership of the sheep. Okay, he's taking ownership. He's taking responsibility for believers. And this is something when I was studying this, okay, um, that I... It doesn't seem like a big deal, but I really think it is a big deal. Because Jesus is hes taking responsibility for us. Okay? He's, he's not like, yeah, I'm God. You guys are believers. You're going to get into heaven one day and be with me. He's like, no, you're mine. And nothing's going to happen to you because you're mine. I'm taking responsibility for you. That's what he's saying here. He's saying, hey, the hired hand, he runs away. He flees because he's not concerned about the, the, the sheep. But I'm the good shepherd. Okay, And I laid down my, in verse 15, I laid down my life for the sheep. That's how much I care about sheep. Okay, Which we'll talk about that more in a second. Okay, This is uh, John 10, 28. We're going to see this in a little bit. Uh, and this ties in really well with what Jesus is saying. It says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Okay, Because I'm the good shepherd. I'm the personal shepherd and you, no one's going to snatch them out of my hand. Okay, Jesus pre- protects the sheep and no one can steal the sheep. This is a earthly example of that happening, okay? And I don't think very many shepherds were like David, okay? David protected his sheep no matter what. Look at it. Your servant is killed, lion, probably Syrian lion, or Syrian bear, I mean, and probably African lion. Okay, your servant is killed, a lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them for he is defiled in the name of the living God, or the armies of the living God. Je- uh, when David talks about this, he's talking about when he is out with his sheep. He killed the lion and the bear. He protected his sheep. And that's what Jesus is saying he's going to do. Okay. This is I just put this up here just so you guys can get a visual on the Greek, okay? But that's ego e I don't know how to pronounce that next one, but it's shepherd. It's poi ne or something like that. And then Kalos is good. So I am the good shepherd. So what does that mean? What does a good shepherd do? Okay, what does a good shepherd do? A okay, good shepherd feeds his sheep. He protects his sheep. He cares for his sheep. Yes, he does all that. But I would argue that Jesus is more than a good shepherd. Okay? I think he's the extreme shepherd. Okay? Because not only is he willing to provide and protect his sheep, he's willing to die for his sheep. Okay, look at verse 14 and 15. Ego me, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, my own know me, even as the Father knows me and I know the Father. I lay my life down for the sheep. Okay, Which brings us to our final point, which is the same as the first point. He cares. The shepherd cares. He cares so much about us that he's willing to lay his life down for us. And we, we say that all the time, right? All the time we say, yeah, Jesus died for us, paid for the sins of the entire world, and now he offers us eternal life. Good. But like, do, we all, do we understand and do we think about what that actually means? Like he's actually giving up his life for us. He's actually taking on a human body for us. Like he cares about his sheep. He cares about us. Okay? Continue on in verse 16. I have other sheep which are not in this fold. Okay, I think that's the Gentiles. because He's talking to Jews right here. I think that's the Gentiles. So he has other sheep that are not in the fold. He's going to bring them in. I must bring them in also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. Okay? Because he's the shepherd over all believers, all the sheep. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one is taking it away from me, but I lay it down. He's saying the wolf's not coming in. I'm, I'm protecting my sheep. The wolf's not coming in and, and killing me because I'm trying to protect my sheep. I'm going to wolf and I'm laying it down. Okay? And it reminds me of like Narnia, right? Aslan, like when he lays down his life for the people. And like, just what you're saying. He's like, Satan's not taking my life from me. Okay, the wolf and the thief, they can't take life from me. They can't do it. But on my own initiative, I'm laying it down because I love my sheep. Okay? And those sheep are you guys, and they're me. And so he lays it down and he takes it up, meaning he, he, he has his own, on his own authority, on his own power, he can, he can raise from the dead. Okay? So no one, has, uh, no one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have the authority to lay it down, I have the authority to take it up. And this is a commandment that I've received from my Father, so he cares about us. Okay, so after looking at all this, this illustration of the sheep, okay, let's read this again. Okay, some of it's cut off. Here. let's go back to the very beginning then. Psalm 23, most of you probably quote it by, by heart. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Is that provision? He makes me lie down in green pastures. Provision? Provision? He leads me beside quiet waters. Provision, maybe provision and protection. He restores my soul, providing. He guides me on the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Turning in that spiritual guidance, that spiritual provision. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? Because He's protecting me. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff. Okay, that's the, the weapon that the shepherd used, right? The rod and the staff, they comfort me. How does a rod and a staff comfort protection he knows how to use the rod and the staff he'll protect us with that rod and staff okay Um, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies there's provision and protection in that one you have anointed my head with oil my cup overflows. surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life and i will dwell in the house of the lord forever okay so what what can we take out of this we can take a lot of stuff out of this right but Jesus is a personal God. He is a personal <laughs> shepherd who cares about us. He protects us. He provides for us. So not only spiritually, but physically as well. And more than that, He knows you. Okay? He knows each and every single one of you. And you know, we don't know each other the way we know ourselves. Right? Like, I have a few good friends that know me really well. And my, some of my family members know me really well. But even them, even they probably don't know me the way I know myself. But Jesus knows us the way we know ourselves, okay? And and he knows everything about you. He calls you by name. He leads you out to provision. He protects you when you're out there. Um, And that's important for several reasons. One, because you're never going to lose your salvation, right? Right. Right. You're never going to lose your salvation, okay? Because Jesus isn't going to let you lose it, okay? He's made a promise, and he's going to keep it, and he can keep it because he knows how to use his rod and staff, okay? So he can protect you. Okay, also, just in life, as a believer, okay, the fact that Jesus knows us and cares us and protects us and provides for us, like, is such a huge deal. Like, because he's there with us through every trial, through every, everything, he's there, right? And, and he does protect us and provide for us in our, in our life. And so I think it's very comforting and a very good thing to remember and to understand and to know. Um, that that Jesus is the Good Shepherd. Thanks for joining us for True to the Bible Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this lesson. If you have any questions about this lesson or any of the other True to the Bible podcasts, don't hesitate to contact us at hunter.davis at stillwaterbible.org. Thanks again for tuning in, we hope that you join us for our next lesson.